Hello and welcome to the Devil's Advocates podcast, episode number one. Uh, this is the official, unofficial fan podcast of the New Jersey Devils. I am your host, Jeff Belinsky, and here's my co-host, Joe Riccadelli. Jersey Joe, what's up? <laughs> not much, not much. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, if you recognize my voice, I'm actually the host of the Jersey Joe Show on YouTube with a whopping 63 subscribers right now. So uh, pretty popular right now. I'm sure you guys have heard me, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Uh, and we're, I'm glad to be here too. I'm excited <laughs> to start getting talking about Devils Hockey. What this podcast is going to be is pretty much full ranging of topics of things going on with the team currently, recaps of previous games, looking forward to the upcoming schedule. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Some recent news today. Um, we're recording this before tonight's game, uh, so you'll be hearing it the next day. Uh, Brian Boyle is set to make his uh, season debut with the Devils tonight. Uh, Joe, um, what do you expect to see out of him in his first game tonight? So he's known as the best fourth-lining center in the league, if not one of the best. And even though he's slotted on the wing tonight, I think he's left wing on Coleman, he's really going to solidify that penalty kill. He's going to solidify the defensive forwards on that fourth line. I, I'm just really looking forward to having him back in the lineup because it it did put a bit of a damper on on the beginning of the season uh, back when it was first announced that he had leukemia it really i mean all the whole fan base and even the players were saying how bummed they were cuz he's such a good player he was so excited to be a devil and i think having him back tonight even though we're winning it's still going to boost our spirits even more than they already are so i'm looking forward to just seeing a really energetic team tonight against vancouver i'm hoping you know, when people listen to this, they can actually say that he was, but I think he's just going to be a boost offensively and in the locker room. And as we know, we need as much defense as we possibly can get right now. I mean, we, we just got to be excited for this whole story, right? I mean, he's, he's not even really a devil yet. And, you know, it seems like the team's been embracing him. This has been a story that's been going on, you know, league-wide. Uh, everybody seems to be excited. He's making his Debut tonight, I mean, the whole league's rallied behind him. Lots of fans around the league, even his short stint in Toronto. I know some of their fans are looking out for him. Um, you bring up a good point about him being on the wing on the fourth line. I mean, I think anything he gives us tonight is going to be great. I think, you know, something we've re- been really looking forward to see how he fits in on this team. Obviously, I think he's going to have a little bit of catching up to do um, with the hard start that they've gotten off to. But, you know, it's, it's nothing but good things. The team has been getting by without him. You know, injuries here and there. Sajak, uh, Palmieri now put on IR today. And it's just, you know, good to have somebody coming back the other way and happy that it's Brian Boyle and that he's, you know, he's finally beaten this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really just another good mark for this team. I, I've i lost, I really can't remember the last time the Devils had this much good news in the role. You have the breakout of Brat. You have Heischer slotting into that first line center role so early. It's a good time to be a devil, and I think we're such a masochistic fan base that we're feeling like we don't deserve this. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just, I've been waiting for the floor to drop out on this team since game one, and it hasn't. And it makes every other, every, every single game just that much more exciting because they're always outperforming. And now that you have Boyle coming back, you have Palmieri going to be coming back soon. I know he was just put on IR, but I think that was to create a roster spot for Boyle this week. Uh, I think he'll be back once once the team's back in Newark, and then you have Zajac, who's ahead of schedule now. It, it's there's just so many good things happening for this team, and I'm just 
really excited going forward. So I mean, really, that's that's where we should have probably started this podcast. I, I think I kind of jumped the gun on the boil <laughs> thing. Let's talk about the amazing season that the Devils have had so far. I mean, I, I know you just said you can't believe it, but I, I think I can't believe it either. I can't remember the last time, even in 2012, um, that I was so confident in a team being out on the ice. It seems like every time that we get even down a goal, we take a bad penalty, somehow this team instantly finds a way to fight back. Um, and it, it's just been absolutely incredible so far. Yeah, you, you kind of called me out of water there. I wasn't expecting to jump straight <laughs> into to current news, but... We're still getting yeah, the hang I mean, of this thing, you know? We're finding that I liked <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, going back to the... I, I We both went to the game on Friday versus Ottawa. And thank you and, for those tickets, by the way. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, they were free, so don't even worry about it. But I remember coming out of the concourse with a bunch of chicken tenders in my hands and seeing Oduya score and Kincaid 2-0 with a minute left in the first, and I went, great. I'm finally attending the game where shit has hit the fan and we're done for. And then, as we all know, they come back and win it in overtime with a brat shootout goal with Mike Condon still sliding into Hoboken because he's just completely got beat on, on the deke by him. What so an incredible just, move. Yeah. I think I must have watched that clip probably like 12 times in a row the next day. It was just... Uh, I, I just I can't even describe how happy it makes me seem to, to see somebody in a devil's uniform making a move like that. Unreal. I mean, we we had Josephson, but that was pretty much all he could I, I, do. I so. think you <laughs> pronounced his name wrong. Also, I believe it's uh, 2016 sixth round pick Jesper Bratt, 19 year old 2016 sixth round pick Jesper Bratt. Let's make sure. Yeah, we and then the next time. <laughs> Someone actually called him 26-year-old six-round pick. I'm like, no, it's... No, that... See, now that was a reference to Barry Melrose on ESPN. He called him 26-year-old Jesper Brandt, I think was was what he called him. Yeah, that was it. Oh, God. Talk about ESPN. Very typical Melrose. Very typical Melrose. (laughs) Unreal. But we we always get a a lot of love around the league. I mean, you see us showing up in the power rankings, you know, constantly be mentioned. We see clips all the time of NHL TV. Um, it's just, it's, what a great feeling it is to have the Devils be part of the positive conversation in the league rather than the absolute shit that we put on the guys last season. It's very strange. It really is. And I, I touched on this on a couple of my other shows. It's, it almost feels like it's at the peak, but then it continues to get better. And it's, it's a very strange feeling. We've been at the top of the Metro for almost two weeks now, and the Penguins have lost three in a row. We have two games in hand in Columbus, and we're tied for them with points. It's just, I mean, and even look at the Penguins. They they have that you know first wild card spot. They're you know fifteen points or something on the season, and like a negative goal differential. It just seems like when they're getting beat, they're getting beat real bad. We saw it the other night with Murray getting pulled, um, and they just seem to be either feast or famine. You know, they're, they're not really dominating too much. Well, that goal differential is called the Niemi effect, so I wouldn't. I don't think that's too sustainable since he's now gone. I think he went to the Panthers, right? Niemi it didn't didn't seem to hurt. Uh, didn't seem to help really. I should say when he left, though. I mean, Murray gave up four four shots in the first period. They pulled him. Backup comes in, gives a goal up on his first shot for uh, I think a hat trick for Wheeler there in Winnipeg. It just you know, with Flurry leaving them this year, you know, you got to wonder how much you know they're really concerned about the goaltending aspect of it. They thought they could kind of ride Murray. Maybe that's not the case. I'm just really happy that in New Jersey we don't have that situation. Even, you know, Schneider steps out for a few games to have a kid, and Kincaid steps right in and, you know, doesn't lose a beat. I know. And honestly, uh, Pittsburgh getting to the finals last year with the defense they had as a fluke, 
And I think you just see that coming back to earth this season. Um, their defense is, it's not trash, but it's definitely not top 10. Uh, their offense has been carrying them. Fleury carried them in that Capital Series last year, and it, it, it really was just luck that got them to the finals, I want to say, at one point. And now you're just seeing them just really have to pay that debt back. But just going into Schneider and Kincaid, Schneider is an interesting figure right now. Uh, he's 5-1-0. His stats are definitely not the stats of a 5-1-0 goalie, though. He is .909 save percentage and above three goals against average. That's not a goalie that's 5-1-0. That's a goalie that's probably 0-1-3 or even worse. It's, it's not indicative at all about how well he's playing. And I think that speaks more to our defense than it speaks to our our. our our goalie situation, but then Keith Kincaid actually has decent stats. So I'm not sure if the team just plays better in front of Kincaid, if Kincaid's been getting the better, like the easier teams to start against. I'm not sure, but now that Schneider seems to be a bit more settled, he has his kid, he's no longer injured. I'm looking to see him have a bounce back game against Vancouver tonight. And we haven't seen that from him. We haven't seen him dominate the way he usually does. Um, We didn't even see it last year too much. So I'm a little concerned with his performance, but I think anything's better than he was last year. And I think with the offense we have, we're second in the league for goals for right now. So I think we'll be able to carry average goaltending and a subpar defense pretty far. And that's a very weird thing to say as a New Jersey Devil fan (laughs) right now. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, I I think as far as Schneider is going, I think he's having a a good year. You know, obviously the stats aren't as impressive as you want them to be, but we're also, you know, only a handful of games into the season. We're playing game 11 tonight. Um, So it's not the largest sample size to go from, especially with him missing a few. But, um, you know, like like you said, I think we got to put a lot of these more on the defense that's in front of him. You know, I don't really particularly remember a lot of goals this season where I think, oh man, he really should have had that one. Um, A lot of them is him being left out to dry, you know, chances right in front of the net that are, you know, hard to get to. You know, it's one thing if he's given up rebounds left and right and just, you know, soft goals here and there. But I think he's had a really good start to the season. And, you know, I think the numbers are going to come down or go up, I'm hoping, in the save percentage part. Um, You know, still waiting on that first shootout. It could happen tonight. I, I think once that happens and he starts really finding his groove, um, I I think that this team is just gonna just keep continuing what they've been doing as long as the offense can keep up, which shows no sign of stopping. Yeah, and we don't even have Zajac in right now. Pavel uh, not that not the Zajac's the you know the most offensively gifted player, but you know his taking time on the on the PK is very good. You know he's just a distributor. I love Zajac. He's pro- personally one of my favorite. I just you know I don't know if he's gonna help on the offensive side of things. Well. That's true, but I also mean the sense that defensively, we don't have our best defensive center. About two months ago, we thought Dejek was going to be our top-line center. And so there's the, the team's going to get better is what, what I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, we also need Zajac on face-offs because we're, I think, bottom three in the league in face-off wins. We are almost always in the negative in terms of face-off percentage wins. So he comes back. I think you're going to see it dividends for, for the goal stats, but we also keep scoring five, six goals a game, so it may not even be necessary. It, it, <laughs> it's unreal the amount of goals they've been putting in left and right. I, I just I don't want to ride them and, and, and ride too high because I don't I don't know if this style of play is sustainable. Um like you said, it's only been ten games, so it, it could 
it could easily fall off the rails at any moment, just like it did last year. Because we were nine three and three, uh, middle of November last year, and then Taylor Hall goes down, and we go into uh, our West Coast trip into California, and we had I think fifteen more wins on the season the the rest of the year. So it's I don't want to get too too hopeful, but my God, do they make it hard not to be excited? Oh that, my God! That's... And Taylor Taylor Hall said something early to that effect earlier this week, saying, you know, this this road trip uh, to Western Canada is really going to prove whether or not this team is mediocre or they're actually like playoff contenders. Um, and I think one of the things that I want to bring up is like, at what point in the season do we go from holy shit, this is fantastic, I cannot believe how good and exciting this team is, to you know going Switching from that underdog kind of underrated kind of thing to being one of the top dogs in the league right now. I mean, we've been, at, like you said, we've been at the top of the standings in the Metro for, you know, a little bit now. We still got two games in hand on those. So even if we lose the next two, you know, we're still at the same standing 12 games into the season. But when do we even start thinking about like worrying or what point will missing the playoffs be a failure for this team? Because I definitely don't think it was going into the season. I don't know. I really don't. I think the goalposts get pushed further and further down. You know, you win game one and people say, well, let's wait till game five. Let's wait till game 10. You win game 10, people are like, let's wait till game 30 and then we'll really see. Because I think we're just all expecting it to fall apart. And I, I keep repeating it, but I'm, I'm, I'm right there with them. I, if, if this team was winning handedly, if it was winning 4 nothing, 3 1, 5 nothing. I could say, yeah, we're we're the top dogs were the real deal, but you know we're getting tied up in the last minute, letting in two goals by Ottawa, four four. We're letting Carolina go up on us three two into the third period. Like it, it's we're really we're towing the line a bit each and every game. And yeah, I, I, I think they if... definitely looked way more impressive in the first few games of the season. You know, Colorado, uh, Buffalo, and. I've... I forget who else was the third game to start start off the year. And they were like gangbusters, like completely dominating those games, even through like the Toronto game. And, you know, the last few, they've they've really not been great, you know, to be honest. It's not like they're they're luckily scoring goals to get back in these games, but they're they're falling behind. You know, they gotta come from behind to get the overtime win in Ottawa the first time. Then they almost fall apart against Ottawa again. Luckily, you know, Brat and Stafford both save them in a shootout, Kincaid as well. Um, I, I forget what the, the game before that was is escaping me, but it's, you know, it's not been extremely pretty these last two, you know, I want to see a game three to one, you know, the entire way through and, you know, they put an empty netter in the end and it's not even close, but, um, I, I would really like to see him get back to that type of hockey. But, but that's the thing. They had two games in the past two weeks, they had a bye week and then a three day period between a double, a double header this weekend. So they were looking great in the beginning of the season. They were cohesive. They were meshing really well. And then to just kind of stop that cold and have them pick it up a week later against Ottawa, who was one of the best defensive teams in the East, I'm, I wasn't too surprised by the way they came out. And I'm surprised we were up 4-2 in that game just because we just didn't seem to be able to get through Ottawa's defense. But thankfully they had a backup. I think they had Condon in that. And we were able to take advantage of that with Gibbons and and, and uh, Jimmy Hayes, but I, I think I mean yeah that, that game wasn't really as much about the start as it was the finish. I mean two let up two goals 
in the in the first period, luckily Hayes gets one, you know, very late in the first. That was a kind of a big turning point um for them. But I, I, I agree, you know, you got a little lucky with the with the backup in there, you know, maybe them on an off night. They just played the night before as well. Um, but then we played again the next night. So Yeah, and so I think now that we've had a bit more time to, to mesh, now that Boyle's in the lineup, I'm hoping this Vancouver game starts showing some more signs of that old Devils team because what it is is the offense is still there. I feel like the offense isn't contributing with to the defense as much as they used to. I remember just seeing red jerseys flying all across the ice nonstop constantly in our own end. And we're not, I, I didn't really see that too much. I, I couldn't watch the Coyote game too closely. Um, and then with the Ottawa game, I was there in person, so I may just have a different perspective. But overall, it, it just seemed like there was less cohesiveness cohesiveness between the defense and the offense because the first couple of games you had defensemen you had John Moore behind the net multiple times you had Severson behind the net they were completely switched they were almost just all forwards and doing this cycle that John Hines taught them and it was working really well so it could be that the roster changes are messing things up a little bit it could be that John Hines is getting figured out by other coaches there's a lot of things, but I do think the biggest factor was just that bye week. I think now that we're back into it, we're more into a regular schedule, I think you'll see that team come back now. Yeah, I mean, the bye week is one thing. It's not like your typical official bye week where the team's not actually allowed to practice. So, you know, they were able to have full practices the entire week. Coming off a pretty terrible shutout loss to San Jose, you know, I was kind of hoping for them to come out a little bit faster. Um, on the ice against Ottawa, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't really complain too much. I, I I would like to see room for improvement. Obviously, there is some with the defense. You know, it's a bit of a revolving door there at the bottom of those uh, pairings. But you know, at the end of the day, this team has been playing so good and winning so many games. They're eight and two right now. And if you told me that in you know the off season, I there's no way I would have believed you, uh, especially this the way that everybody's been contributing from the top to the bottom um so let me let me ask you just about the team so far who has been like kind of your favorite player to see blossom this year is i i mean you could have the list you know rookies you know veterans that are coming in who's really kind of stood out to you as somebody that you just love rooting for so far well i have two different answers my first pick would be he um, I was team Patrick for the entire two months leading up to the draft after we found out we had first overall. And then over the summer, I started scouting out Heesher, obviously a lot more in depth. And what I realized was that he was the right pick. He had this incredible upside. He has an untapped potential that we don't know. And the reason he was never considered first overall until the last six months or so uh, before the draft was because he was in a small market in Europe and he didn't have a lot of, a lot of exposure. And once someone pointed that out to me, and once I realized that, I said, oh shit, this guy is definitely good. Like, the only reason he was never first overall and like a consensus first overall is just because not enough people saw him play. Whereas Patrick, people have been seeing him play for years and they're like, yeah, I mean, he's good, but that's just because he's in a poor draft class. Whereas with Heischer, I feel like Heischer would have been a definite top three in 2015 with Connor McDavid or 2016 with Austin Matthews. I think 
he could easily been up there with Lion A and Eichel. I don't think he's really just a non first overall, as many people are saying. So I've been really rooting for him the past couple of weeks. I was so ecstatic when he scored his first two goals. I think the night before he had two or three assists. He had five points in two games. Which I was, was ecstatic when he first scored his preseason goal. I, oh, I yeah, nearly no. jumped out of my chair. What, well, I mean, what an incredible move he had on that breakaway, but please continue. Oh, yeah, we were at the, I was at the game with a bunch of my buddies, and I don't think we even said a word like he scored that, and we just stood up and looked at each other, and our jaws dropped. We're like, what did we just score on our team? Like, who is this guy? And, who did and we just draft? watching it from home, honestly, it seemed like the whole stadium recognized that it was Heischer that scored this goal, which is like a fantastic thing to see as a fan. Everybody else recognizing, you know, who's out there on the ice, who needs to get that goal. And Heischer immediately had like a ton of support from this fan base. And I was not expecting that kind of reaction. They like were cheering way louder for his goal than any of the other goals they previously scored. Yeah, I was at the complete other end of the ice, and even we could tell it was him. It was just... It was one of those goals where it makes you sit and go, all right, this is the start of something good. But he he has conditioning issues. I think he's... Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, he's... We pointed this out against, against Ottawa where he was almost on his knees at the end of a shift in overtime. Like, he just... I think he's pushing himself a little bit too hard. He's not thinking smartly. He's just trying to outskill everyone or out, out, outskate everyone. And he's not going to be able to do that. So I think he just needs to adapt a bit more. It's so definitely gonna... a lot of him, you know, the NHL has got to be so much faster, you know, in such a short period of transition into it, he is skating his heart out every time that he is out there. And I've heard similar things about Patrick as well. So it's not something that's specific to Nico that I'm really worried about. Obviously the conditioning will come, but he looks really gassed after just a normal shift. He'll go on the, his mouth is wide open, just panting like a dog and he's just exhausted. Yeah, that's... And that's something he's going to have to... He'll get used to that. That's probably the best thing oh, to have worry. as an issue because you can totally fix that. Like, it's not a big deal at all. And the times when he's playing well, you saw him against Lightning, against the Lightning where he had that ridiculous dish to, to Stafford for a, a, the tying goal. Like, it's... And, and that one he, save he, that Budai had on him, I, I've never seen anybody get closer to a goal and miss it. It just right... Wide open net, and Budai got his glove in there, and it would have been his first, and I was trying to predict it with a friend, and, oh, man, I was just a few games off, but it's so happy to see what he's been doing so far. Yeah, and those last two, that, that, that was the second to last game before the break? Yeah, so, like, even right then, I feel like the, the, the week off kind of just messed with that. It messes with their, their ability to kind of just get their flow going. Yeah, and, and then, all the other teams are in a groove, too. They got to take some time off, and, you know, they're kind of out of it a little bit. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so that, going, that was your one. Who's your, who's your second player? Yeah, I was going to go back to that. The other one was Brat, and obviously, nineteen twenty-six year old <laughs> sixth round Jesper Brandt is ah uh, oh my. Ever since I've been a Devils fan, I've always sat here and went, "When are we going to get our Lundqvist? When are we going to get that guy that's like or, or Tom Brady, who's last overall and becomes this phenomenal player for the team?" And I think we got that with Brat. He was just like with Heischer. He has he had a specific reason for not being drafted higher than he was, or for not being a consensus higher draft. Because Heischer was first overall, but he wasn't supposed to go first overall until the last couple months, like I said. But Brad was six round pick. The reason he went six round is because 
he started having a lot of confidence issues. He had the skill, he has the mental ability, but he didn't have confidence in himself. And there was a rumor going around that he last summer hired a confidence coach or like an athletic coach, a mental coach. And since then, he has exploded. And the 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 Knights, I think he was, I think he's on the London Knights, were like begging him to stay with them and not go into into the NHL this year because they knew how good he was. He came into prospect camp. We thought he was fantastic. He came to training camp. He blew us away. Preseason, we're like, okay, maybe this guy's for real. Maybe he's gonna stay up. And you see the first two games, he has uh, four or five points, or six points in the first two games, or something crazy like that. And now he's here at game 10, game 11, burns a year on his uh, entry-level contract, and now he's here for good. And it's just, he came out of absolute nowhere, and it couldn't be at a better time. I I mean, he's just unbelievable, right? We. This type of thing does not happen to the Devils, though. Like, we put our hopes into players like Reed Boucher, Damian Bruner, Matias Tedeby, like, these type of guys that we think have some sort of chance to break out and, like, really be the player that we believe they are. And then Brack comes in out of nowhere and automatically starts filling in that role that we never even expected to be coming. It's just, what more can you ask from this kid? Yeah, and and it really is a perfect storm because if he came into a Pete DeBoer coach team with Lou Lamorello at the at the reins, I guarantee you he'd be stuck on like the third line in the no, AHL right now. No chance he makes a team, not yeah. a chance. London would be very happy if Pete DeBoer was still coaching this team because they would still have Jasper Bratt with them. Yeah, and that's what I mean. You have John Hines now, who's a fantastic youth development coach. He's developed youth for a number of years, almost a decade of of teaching younger players. And they have Ray Shiro, who is really looking for offensive, talented, puck handling, just really offensively gifted players, which is a complete 180 from what we used to be. So, I mean, that, that's another thing that this season seems to have is like we have a definitive plan that it seems like the entire organization is working towards. It, years past, it's kind of been in the middle. You know, what's Lou doing? You know, DeBoer's not really playing the young guys like I want him to. Why is Larson sitting, et cetera, et cetera. But this, it seems like everybody is just on the same page. And this is this is what Shiro does. Like, he builds teams like this. His struggles in, in Pittsburgh didn't come until he had to, like, extend guys. But, you know, putting the band together was, you know, part of his bread and butter. And, you know, what success they've had is just, it seems so earned because of the, the real mindset and the game plan that they've had going into the season. Yeah, absolutely. And really, if you look at the death that Pittsburgh has, that won them the past two cups, Almost all of their impact players were handpicked by Shiro and his scouting staff. So we're definitely in good hands. I mean, we're in year three of the rebuild now, and we now have Taylor Hall. First round pick, Nico Heischer. We have Marcus Johansson, Jesper Brat. It's <laughs> what he's done, even with that horrible middle season, is just been outstanding. And we can sit here and nitpick everything, but if you told us. Three weeks ago, hey, 10, 10 games in, you'll be eight two and zero and sitting on top of the the metro metro conference you, or the metro division. You would think I was crazy. It's it's insane. I really don't have a huge amount of critiques for the team. You really got to nitpick, and the defense is a big nitpick, but it's not losing us games right now. So I can't even be too mad about that. Yeah, I mean, and the defense too. It's like you understand where we're at. We did not have any expectations for this type of thing. Um, you, you knew it was a bunch of young guys trying to earn their keep. You were question marks about Mueller coming into the season. I mean, 
they've been fine. You know, they they haven't really been egregiously bad, I would say. You know, a few kind of misplays here and there and turnovers and whatnot. But, you know, every team has that kind of thing. You watch other games around the league, you know, you have veterans that are doing this type of stuff. And unless it's on a consistent basis, I'm not getting too worried. What did kind of worry me was uh, uh, Andy Green getting burned for the last goal against Ottawa. That's not something that you see very often, him just kind of getting shook out of his boots. Um, but, you know, the team's still winning. So, you know, how much can you really like complain about that type of thing? That's another thing I want to get into. I feel like Santini has not been talked about nearly enough. I think he is easily our best defensive player right now, our best defenseman. And I feel like he's being completely overshadowed by our offensive, t- our offensive players, which is fine. But I still think there needs to be a conversation about Santini and, and what his role is right now. I, yeah, so I mean, I, I think I see him on the first pairing. But, you know, we, we've talked in person about how you might want to split up, you know, Green and Santini if they're both defensively sound and match them with other players who would be a little more offensive. So putting Green with Severson or, you know, Santini with Severson or Butcher or whoever it is, even more is obviously more offensively minded. Um, so what what are your like ideal pairings defensively for this team? That's a tough one. You need to bring up a good point with that. Um, as much as I'd like Andy Green to be, you know, the the shut down first first pairing well, let, captain. Let me of the start doubles. with an even simpler question: Do you think Andy Green should be a top pairing defensive defenseman for this team? I don't know. I. Two years ago, I would have been like, absolutely. But he's getting older. The team's getting faster around him. And he's our captain, though. He's one of my favorite players. I have his autographs. I met him in person. He's a great guy. I, it's not so much I don't think he should be on the top pairing. I think Santini deserves to be on the top pairing over him. And I think we need to give Santini the chance to prove himself. Which he, he really has. If I, mean, you look I think at the he stats, is. He's, he's second in ice time on the team, right? Yeah, and he's, he also it's not like the, he's the, getting benched. He, he was benched for one game, but you know when he's out there, he's out there for the long haul. Yeah, he also has more defensive zone starts than Green, and so I think if Green wasn't captain, if he wasn't a veteran, I think we, we'd be seeing Santini up there. And I think having Santini as a top pairing defenseman, whether he's a one D or a two D, it doesn't really matter. I think that's where he should be. So I feel like we're just delaying the inevitable, but I also understand it. It makes more sense to have the veteran presence up there in the top pairing and then kind of see where Santini develops because he was third line last year, or third pairing last year. Now he's second pairing, and you do see him on the top penalty kill. You see him at the top pairing when Green's out. So he's getting his minutes. I'm just really excited to have, you know, the Sheriff. I don't know why no one calls him that anymore. It's a badass nickname that we somehow forgot. But I think the Sheriff should be up there as, as a top-pairing defense. Yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree that the Sheriff should be used way more often because this is the first time that I've heard this in a while. Um, I briefly remember him being called the Sheriff, but that is a fantastic nickname, and I hope one that sticks. So maybe, maybe, maybe part of the purpose of this podcast will be to get <laughs> the Sheriff out there in, into the vernacular for Devils fans. I just got to start calling out that on Reddit. Apparently, everything flows from there. So I think so. I mean, people do kind of hate when you use like the not so well known nickname and but you know you can't help but offend on the internet so i'm willing <laughs> to take a risk i know but i just am so excited to see how he develops and i was listening to devil's inside the other night and they're talking about how good capital has been doing and he even played for us a couple of games and he wasn't looking too bad he's a young guy come up in the blue line 
Mueller, yeah, he got he got benched for a couple of games, but he had a strong preseason. I think he just needs some time to get developed right, and even if we have to drop him to the AHL so he develops in the top line there, I mean, he was, a, a, I think, a 16 overall pick. He was drafted in the first round. Yeah, Mueller's he deserves kind to of be given a better. An, an interesting case, too, because it seems like uh, part of this is just my feelings, obviously, but it seems like they're holding on to him um, because of what they gave up to get him. And I think they see a little bit of potential there that may not be, but they're perceiving. You know, the fact that, you know, expansion draft is coming up, trade for Mueller kind of came out of nowhere. They choose to protect him over Merrill, who ends up getting taken by Vegas. You know, at the end of the day, they could have not traded for him and kept Merrill. So obviously they thought, you know, he was the better option. And so far, he's, he's not really performed extremely well, I would say. Um, he's not in there every game either to kind of get his footing, which is a little unfair to him. But, you know, I kind of feel like the Devils are, are just keeping him up and trying to get him playing because of th- their perceived value of him, even though maybe somebody like Kapla or Pratt or whoever, not saying that that's the case, might actually be a better choice or better fit. Well, let me ask you this. Do you prefer that we protect Merrill and we don't sign or we don't trade for Mueller? Would you rather have John Merrill on the team right now? It, I, I like the trade for Mueller just because I, I feel like we had seen enough of Merrill and we had a good idea of what his ceiling was. Um, and as far as the depth of defensemen go, I, I think he was obviously a second pairing at best kind of guy. Um, Pretty reliable. I wouldn't be upset if he was still on the team right now. Um, but, you know, I thought there was a little bit of excitement and potential with Mueller, which is the same thing I'm criticizing the Devils for keeping him. Maybe I just have a little bit of a tighter uh, leash on it. Um, but I, I really didn't have a problem with it. I didn't really feel like losing him really hurt the team. And then I think even Vegas didn't even have him in the opening lineup the first night. So I was kind of like, oh, see, like we didn't, he can't even make the lineup on an expansion team, so like, how good could he really have um, been and stuff? But he's, he played well last night. I saw against the Rangers. I, I, the night before against Islanders, they, they got blown out both games, but they've, ha- they've been having goalie problems, and I think that kind of affected the team. But yeah, that's, he that's, looks pretty good. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas is another... We could have a three-hour podcast in Vegas alone, but Mueller, I think you kind of hit the, na- the nail, nail on the head there. It's really about his potential and i think that's what we traded for we didn't trade for the player he is now absolutely not that's a complete overpayment he's 22 years old i think he was 21 when we traded for him he could easily be a really good player for us and he was stuck on a super super stacked san jose team I mean, with a team with burns and and Vlasic, you're not going to find a lot of room for a rookie defenseman to really develop and he, stats-wise, isn't that bad this year. The eye tests, he's done a bit poorly, but he has a, a straight zero plus minus. He has an assist. He's only played six games so far, so I'm not ready to, to close the book on him and say, you know what, I think we wasted picks on him. I think the trade was too much. I think mm-hmm. if he's developed well, he can become a good second or even first-pairing defenseman with, with you know, Severson or Santini, who are probably going to be our, our our top defenseman within a year or two. So I'm really happy with that trade. I still am. I much rather him in for Lovejoy or Prout, like you said, just because Lovejoy and Prout, we know what we have. They are at their potential or even declining a bit, whereas Mueller is this unknown quantity. And the only way we're going to see that quantity is by playing him. 
And I believe he's in the lineup tonight, so I'm hoping to see a little bit more of him tonight. So, yeah, he's in the third line with, with Butcher, so. Which is another story we have not covered at all. How, how, how great is this team that we're talking for, like, half an hour already? And so far, we've only really talked in depth about Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, and we have no mention of the stud rookie defenseman Will Butcher on top of many other surprise things for this team, like Brian Gibbons or Blake Coleman. Like, how, how lucky are we to have all these players kind of, you know, outperforming their own expectations all at the same time? That's, yeah, that's... It's so exciting, and I... My fiance hates this right now because I literally do nothing but either watch the Devils, talk about the Devils, or read about the Devils. And I've usually, I've always been like that, but since the season started, it's been an overdrive. Butcher has, oh, I, I jumped out of my seat when he, I found out. He looks had... so good handling the puck. He just looks so smooth, so confident. Oh, unreal. Unreal. And it's stuff that you can't really teach. You can't teach that confidence. The only thing I would work on with him is a defensive game, but he's a small guy. He's never going to be a 1D. He's not going to be our top-pairing defenseman. I really doubt that. But he was projected to be a second- or third-pairing defenseman in the AHL. Obviously, that's not the case. So he has more power play points than anyone else. I think seven or eight of his 11 points are in the power play. He is an offensive mastermind. He is a quarterback on our first power play unit. And him, Brat, and and Taylor Hall just have like this connection on the power play that we haven't seen from any players before. And I'm totally taking that from another podcast I heard, but they have a good point. It 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 really is just this connection he has with with Hall and with Brat, and it makes it totally worth it to have him in the lineup, even if it's just for an offensive defenseman. I mean, it it really seems like he's just got like a great hockey sense about him, and I know that's like kind of cliche to say, but. You know, I think him spending years, you know, his years in college, winning the Hobie Baker and all that, you know, that's probably why he's maybe not so defensively minded, because if you're that good in the NCAA, you don't really have to be, you know, that stalwart defensive presence because you could just compensate for everything on the offensive end. If you always have the puck on your stick, you don't really have to stop the other guy from scoring. Um, And it just seems like he's just so embracing this opportunity that he has with the devils it's part of the reason that he signed here was the fact that we didn't have a power play specialist we didn't have somebody to run the point there we obviously maybe most of us are probably hopeful that shattenkirk would have come over um but butcher has been just unbelievable i mean i obviously you see his points he's got 11 assists on the year already in only 10 games and you know if you're not a rookie that's fucking fantastic um but he is and he's he just it seems like him being on the roster with NHL players of the caliber of Hall, who just understand the game the same way that he does, it, they're just clicking, and it's it's it looks beautiful. I would like to get see him get a goal every, you know, sneak one in there without a deflection, but I'm totally fine if he just all assists all the time like Joe Thornton. Yeah, and and let me just point out, you were the only person I've ever say call it the NCAA. <laughs> I, uh, NCAA, NC2A. <laughs> NC2A, yeah. No, but I he's a he's a budget Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk was gonna be so expensive. For now. For now. Yeah. I'm sure Shattenkirk is gonna eclipse him, but right now he has more points than Shattenkirk. He also has a better plus minus at four, whereas Shattenkirk is a negative four, so 
he's definitely trending upwards. He's doing everything we thought Shattenkirk would do for us. Would I have liked Shattenkirk? Oh my God, absolutely. I was pulling so hard for us to sign him in this offseason. But, you know, I don't even want to call him a consolation prize because he's actually outperforming him at this moment. So I'm just, I'm really excited for this signing. I'm really excited to see how he how he grows with the team. And, and like you said, like he loves being a devil. He loves being with this team. I've never seen. He chose to play for us. That doesn't happen. I know. People choose to leave. <laughs> the second I found out that Montreal was in the mix and that the Rangers in the mix, I'm like, well, there we go. We lost him. And then he signs with us. And it makes sense. He has room here. He's not an idiot. He's one of the smartest players I've seen in the Devils in a long time. And I think you can see that off the ice as well. He understood that he has a specific role to play, and that's like a power play specialist, or it's an offensive defenseman who gets a lot of offensive zone starts and not a lot of defensive zone starts. A lot of teams don't have room for that. But when you're coming onto John Hines' team and you have Taylor Hall, you have Nico Heischer on there, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I can work with this. Um, my best fit is going to be with this team with low expectations, with great players, and I can really make a name for myself. And I think he chose well. I think if he was on Colorado, if he was with the Rangers right now, he'd be in the AHL or he'd be on the third pairing. I mean, Joe, uh, I think who was it? Was it Patrick Waugh that said he wasn't ever going to be an NHL defenseman? Like, And now he's I th- he was at one point the, the highest scoring defenseman in the league, I think, the, after the first couple of games. So he's just outperforming all expectations like everyone else is, like you said. And you can see them just co- becoming this cohesive unit and they're feeding off of each other, and Keith and Cade is just, like, all over Twitter, and all of our teammates are commenting on each other's posts on Instagram. Like, I've never seen the team be so close and enjoy the game so uh, much. It, it was great. We didn't talk about this before, but I don't know if you saw the tweet from Severson saying, I like, I love Halloween. And then, like, just that was this whole tweet, was just, I like Halloween. And then to that reply was Henrique saying, I love Lamp. Boyle came in right behind it, said, I love carpet. Kincaid comes in after, says, are you just, Brian, are you just naming things in the room and saying you love it? This team finally has, like, this personality on social media, whatever, you know, they they're finally seem like a team that people can get to know. And I think there's a problem yeah. kind of all over the NHL, um, but it's really nice to see it happening on our end. It's something that yeah. never would have been allowed in the Lewer. <laughs> I saw the Boyle tweet and was really confused. I didn't realize he had tweeted to someone. Oh, yeah, if you get that out of context, it's not going to work. So then then that's all the Kincaid tweet. That's actually what I was talking about. But I think a lot of that has to do with the new faces, the new players, the fact that they're winning. But we can't really downplay the fact that they were Lou Lamorell's team where it was no social media, no beards, no fun, no drink. Like He had all these weird mafioso rules in place, and now that he's gone – I think slowly players are like, hey, I can be a human being again. I can have a personality and have fun playing the game of hockey since we suck so hard. And now that they're winning, it's even better. Yeah, I think there's some merit to the way Lou ran things. I think it's a, oh, absolutely. a thing that's of its time, um, you know, regards to professionalism and appearance and, you know, how you carry yourself and things like that. But I think in, you know, the modern NHL, you know, fans don't really want to see a team showing up in their, you know, clean-cut suits, clean-shaven all the time. Like, you at least want these guys to have a personality. Not that, you know, it has to be completely wild, but, you know, let's at least get to know these guys a little bit. Yeah, and it's, oh, God, Henrik on Twitter, Kincaid on Twitter. It it just adds the sense of the team 
being more than just like a sports team and it's it's just fun i mean you can really you can is. have your own opinion on twitter or whatever it is i mean we're probably you know it's not like the most hockey specific thing to talk about but it, it's it's so fun to just like get to know the guys and, and finally feel connected a little bit more to the team that you know they at least are just as in on it as you guys are and they're winning and like it's just i, I, I don't know about you but uh I'm not even going to worry about when it falls apart. If it does, I'm just going to enjoy the ride right now. It could fall apart in an hour when they play at Vancouver. It could be a 10-0 route, and then we could never win a game the rest of the season. Like You never know with this game, especially with this team. But until we get to that point, I think I'm just going to enjoy the ride and just wait and see what happens. I'm, I'm all in. I'm loving every second of it. I was looking forward to today since the, the game ended against the Coyotes. Um, you know, we have this upcoming road trip against the Canucks, Oilers, and Flames. Um, so we'd be recording probably after all three of those uh, for our next episode. So what, do you, what are you looking for um, out of these three games? You know, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. How many points are you happy to come away with? What's your prediction? I want to come away with, I'd be ecstatic with four out of six. I'd be okay with three out of six. Don't want less than three. And if we get three points, that means we went one, one, and one, which isn't awful. But I I do think that this team, even though it's confident right now, can't go through a losing streak like it did last year. It's going to break them. We're not at that place yet where we can suffer you know, a two- or three-game losing streak on the road and come back and, and play hard home. I do think that just for the sake of, of the mental strength of the team, and especially the young players, um, I do think we need to come away with at least four points. I mean, I, the teams that we're playing are not really the best. I mean, Calgary and Edmonton have a, have a combined like nine wins between them. Um, Edmonton is off of to a particularly bad start, but you know they're always extremely dangerous. You know, McDavid, Drysital, our old buddy Adam Larson. And, uh, you know, Cam Talbert and Nett, like, that's a solid team, one that many people expected to be one of the favorites to win the Cup. And, you know, don't let the record fool you. They are extremely dangerous, especially against a team like the Devils, who play a very similar style. And it kind of kind of come down to whoever has the puck most is going to probably win that game. Yeah, I think the game against Edmonton is going to easily be like an 8-7 game or something just outrageous. Like or it'll that. be like one nothing, And... <laughs> Yeah, because when you have Connor McDavid, you can never sit on your laurels and expect it to be an easy game. They are facing ridiculous, low, ridiculously low shot percentages. I think there's a stat out that the the average combined save percentage of goalies they played against has been like .96, where in like every game that they've played, the opposing goalie has had an outrageous save percentage just because their shot percentage is so low right now. So that's going to regress to the mean. They're going to start getting luckier shots, luckier bounces, and you're going to see them start winning games. And I just hope it doesn't happen when the Devils play them because they're definitely they're, they're outperforming their record. Calgary is another beast entirely. I'm not sure what's going on with them. I haven't been able to watch them as much as I wanted to. I did think they would be where the Kings are right now. I thought they'd be doing more like 9-1-1 or 8-1-2 or something similar. Oh, you they're thought not. they'd be that good? Yeah, I was pulling for them to be the... I, was, I thought they were going to be in the final. With and Mike Smith be, and Nett? Yeah, he... <laughs> I mean, we, we can... Uh, I can talk about another hour for Mike Smith. He's one of my favorite players in the league, but... Holy shit. <laughs> well, because look at it this way. He played on the Coyotes for so long and posted 
not all-star stats, but very decent stats. So when you look at him going to what is now considered a top 2D in the West behind Nashville, you're expecting those to increase. And I think they have. I think what the issue is now is their offense, for some reason, is not clicking. Again, I haven't done the research. I haven't been looking at this too much. But based off of the record and from what I've heard, I think it's more of an offensive thing than Mike Smith at the defense. Yeah, most of the Western Conference is kind of a little bit of a blind spot for me, besides from some teams specifically. Um, Calgary happens to be one of those teams that I'm a little blind to. Just because they're really, like, not too exciting to me. I mean, Gaudreau's one thing. They signed Yager this year, which is a questionable move. But, you know, not there's not really players on that team that really get me going. You know, the Gaudreau-Datchuk kind of combination is not really enough to make me follow them a little closer. No, absolutely. And and the only reason I like them is because, like I said, I my my downtime consists of just scrolling through reddit and twitter and hockey stuff and so i just end up reading like a 30 page op-ed about the calgary flames in the off season and why they're gonna win the cup like i just end up reading that and i digest the info and from what i've heard calgary was supposed to be a lot better than they are but they just beat washington two to one so i think you know well washington's not even that great this season anyway so at the beginning of the year they'd have three more wins in edmonton i think every calgary fan would probably take that but um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a weird start to the season. A lot of it depends on, you know, whether you're home or away, who your opponents are. You only played, you know, a, a third of the league. So it's really not really a gauge on how you're doing. But, you know, I think out of these three games, I mean, obviously six points is very possible the way this team has been going. If you look at our record, you know, winning 80% of the time, it's more, you know, it's up there. Um I don't really think that there's a team that we're particularly afraid of. You know, maybe Edmonton will be one of those. I think tonight at Vancouver is obviously the easiest game. Um, you know, Vancouver's had a good start to the beginning of the season, but I think they're they're one of the the bottom teams in the league. Um, I don't really see how they, you know, in, I actually disagree with that. I actually very much disagree. I think Vancouver's the hardest one of this trip. Really? If you were to say three months down the line, I'd say no, probably Edmonton. But right now, the way they've been playing, I think Vancouver is the more dangerous team. They're they're not doing bad. They just beat Washington. I believe they they had a number of really good wins in the past couple of months or the past couple of weeks. And I think this season, I mean, you can say this with every season, but especially this season, you need to focus on how teams are playing now. You can't worry about what they're supposed to do or how you think they'll pan out. But you have to worry about how they are right now. Like, I don't think Montreal and the Rangers are going to be in the basement for the rest of the season. I think they're going to come out of that. But right now, they're playing that. They're playing like garbage. But then you see Montreal come out and score seven goals. So it's really a sense of where are they now and how are they playing. And right now, Vancouver's playing well above their means. And looking at their roster, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not horrible. I, mean, I think they're, good, they're getting horrible. production from a lot of different guys. Um, I just on paper they don't scare me. Um, so that's why I kind of look at it. They don't really have like that really top level talent, which I think is what one of our kryptonites probably is. Is just somebody just out out there being better than us. Um, you know, Vancouver doesn't really have that type of player. You know, their potential franchise player going forward is Bo Horvat to to some extent. Who's uh, oddly enough the the player that was chosen with the tr- pick we traded for Schneider. Um, but, and, and, but I look at, you know, Calgary and Edmonton, I'm not looking at just the top names, but I just know 
that these teams are a little bit deeper in that, you know, uh, Vancouver's playing a little bit above their means right now. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And my issue is that I look at rosters and every time I recognize a name, I immediately think like, oh, I recognize it because they're good, but it's really just because they've been in the league for a while. And so I can sit here and say like, oh, wow, I recognize all of these names on the third and fourth lines. But I'm like, no, it's just because they're older veterans. They're not that great anymore. They're on the decline. So that's why you know them. And so uh, I do think we'll play well against them, but I don't think that they're as much of a pushover as we would have thought a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, you, you bring up a good point, though. They are a little bit of an older team. You know, the Sedins are 37 years old now, um, each not combined. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, they have Vanek is 34, Doris is 31, like, and that's where a significant portion of their production comes from. I think with our type of style and play, this is a team that we match up very well against, considering that we could probably just outskate them to pucks um, and win those type of battles and kind of control things for the most part. Um, so that's another reason why I see them as a little bit more of a the easier of the three games on this road trip. Mm. But, you know... I hope I'm right. <laughs> I hope I'm not eating my words, but I, I, I'm just hoping for good hockey from the Devils. Even if they lose, as long as it's not, you know, in fantastic fashion and they're competitive and doing the things that they're trying to get accomplished, and, you know, puck luck is a thing. You know, sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes that tip finds the back of the net. And so be it. That's hockey. But as long as they're out there and they're competitive and they're not, you know, their own worst enemy, um, I'll be happy with how they perform. Even, honestly, even if they lose all three games, if they're competitive and it's not like they just completely shit the bed, I, I think I'll be, you know, happy with it. You know, they, they have a great whole road record so far. I think their only losses have come at home. So, you know, I, I, I think we're going to drop at least one of these. I'm, I'm hoping to at least get four points out of this trip. Yeah, and you... you bring up a really good point with saying our speed is going to outclass Vancouver. That, that's a good point. I never really thought about it because from what I've heard, or maybe Vancouver, they'll just trap us like San Jose did. And the, the speed yeah. won't play a factor. You know, you got to see what happens. Well, number one, we didn't play an overtime game last night. So I think that had a lot to do with the San Jose game, but even with Vancouver, they they're and Ken Hitchcock said this last night or a couple of days ago when Dallas played them, they're a very team oriented system. They, aren't very skillful, they're not very fast, a lot like the Devils have been the past couple of years, but they played a really good team system, and I think hopefully our speed's going to be enough to disrupt that team system. Dallas is skilled, but I'm not sure if they're that fast, whereas the Devils are decently skilled, but super, super fast, and I think we can use that to our advantage. But regardless, I can't believe we're sitting here in, in 2017, which we thought was going to be an awful year, and being like, yeah, I mean... They may lose a game, but I think they're going to win all three. I think they're going to sweep Connor McDavid and, and Johnny Gaudreau and the Vancouver Canucks. I think they'll be great. I think it'll be fine. Like, it's such a weird <laughs> feeling to be able to say that. I'm not used to it at all. I, I would not either, but I got to tell you, um, I'm really enjoying this team so far. I think that's going to wrap it up um, for us this week. We're going, you know, almost to the hour mark. Uh, very excited for the game tonight at Vancouver. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the Devils will have already won and you'll be able to rub that oh, in our fuck. faces. Oh, just strengthened us. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> that's going to take us out of here. Joe, any last words? No, this has been uh, an awesome talk. I'm really glad we're doing this, though. It's nice to have someone like-minded to sit down and talk to this yeah. about because otherwise it's a camera for the jersey joe show or my fiance and she wants to murder me because she has no idea what i'm talking about so 
This is oh. a much better outlet. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you doing this with me also. And for anybody who made it this far in the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody.